Welcome to the Thanks Therapy Podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hello, I am Dr. Emma Lydon. And I'm Hannah Lydon, and this is our therapy appreciation podcast, Thanks Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. Thanks Therapy! Thanks Therapy! Here we are, finally, at the third of our triad of episodes, which we have managed to stretch over nearly three months at this point. Yep. <laughs> Just to reassure our <laughs> listeners, this is not our intention going forward. Sorry. But shit happens like, you know. Life was happening. Absolutely, yeah. I've been coughing for three months. That's... I was busy with coughing. <laughs> yeah, you've been just having back-to-back COVID and other unpleasantnesses. And exams. Yes. More importantly. More importantly. Um, So this episode was inspired by the suggestion regarding um, social media and the phenomenon, the very recent phenomenon of having a social media break, like a mental health break from social media. Yes. It's a hot topic, Emma. It is. We're talking about it. It's so topical. I'm going to disclaimer this episode. Okay. With the fact that I love social media (laughs) and I get there's like an inner teenage part of me that comes out whenever people are like I'm just gonna do a social media detox Uh it makes me want to be like what are you really running from like there's some argumentative (laughs) part of me that wants to say you want to be for social media I love social media okay but also I can see let's talk about the ways in which it's destructive well I think it's good because we are coming at it from two slightly different perspectives. So you're a younger millennial and I'm an elder. I'm what's known as an elder millennial. So I just fall on the cusp of, I'm still technically a millennial. Yeah. But um, I'm an elder millennial. And so we didn't have social media whenever I was a teenager. That's the difference between the two, the the 10 years of us. When would you first have had social media? What age would you have been? Well, I was about to tell you that social media has only been around for about 15 years. And you know how I worked that out? For I knew myself because whenever I was pregnant with Sam, who just turned 14, mm-hmm. I was on MySpace. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So it was one of the first ones. And I had a little blog, which I think was part of MySpace or something. Like we hadn't quite worked yeah. out how to do it yet. Do you know what I mean? So I had my first social media account was when I was 13 mm-hmm. and it was vampire freaks Ooh. but I didn't really vibe with the interface because it was for goths ah. and I was mostly hippie and then I had Bebo oh yeah I had Bebo as had well Bebo. and then I, I also had Bebo. MySpace but I didn't actually really... sorry the blog might have been on Bebo it was a Bebo blog you did there was a text box in Bebo where you could put mm-hmm. thoughts yeah and do you have TikTok do you ever spend time on TikTok I watch the videos that my family members send me on TikTok. Me. 
Yes, and <laughs> Sam. And I check out my children's TikTok to make sure they're not putting any inappropriate content out. Good. Or engaging with any inappropriate content. That's very good. But it's one of those things that is hard for me at my age to really fully understand how to use. And I know it's not exclusive, like, because I see older people on it as well. I know I could get to grips with it if, if I wanted to. But it is, it's less natural for people of my age, I think. Something like TikTok. Yeah. I also do not find it natural. Huh. I don't know how to post on TikTok. Yeah. But I enjoy the content that people make. Yeah. Um. So social media is huge, obviously. Um. It's only been going for about 15 years, as we said. But it's probably at its peak currently, I reckon anyway, because over half the world's population is on social media. So if you cut out all the very elderly and the very young, that's like most of the adult population who are on some form of social media. That is a lot of people. It is a lot of people, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's rife. It's rife. <laughs> it's rife in our society. Um, so for that reason, I think it would be good to have a think about why social media can be bad for our mental health and why people might ever want to have a social media break have you ever had a social media break Hannah and I kind of think I know the answer to this question well (laughs) I have never had a distinct break as such okay where I've said I'm going to delete all my social media apps from my phone I'm not going to go on it for two weeks yeah because I don't really quit things in that way sure I just silently stop doing them Mm, you stalk around the edges sort of like I'm going to still be a little bit involved in this but kind of like the way I so I used to have Facebook and and then I deleted it entirely like yeah not just deactivated it but I just was like I am removing myself entirely from this mm. but I did it just without mentioning it to anybody mm. um and just th- assumed that nobody would notice and then people text me being like where is your Facebook can't find <laughs> you on Facebook and I was like oh I deleted it um, so I do, I ha- that's what I've done more is just delete my various profiles on various platforms because yeah. I wasn't really using them anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's not like, I don't think it's the same as the way people speak about a social media break where they're like, I'm too into this thing. I spend too much time on it. Yes. That's Mine was right, just yeah. general disinterest or being like, oh, this is kind of boring or like, I'm I'm not using this in, in a good way. I'm just kind of being like, oh, I guess I'll check that now. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't really, like I've never um, kind of sat down and thought I need to assess my relationship with this and yeah. this is what's leading me to this social media break. Mm. I do sometimes question my engagement with Reddit. Okay. If that counts as social media, I'm not actually sure. It's forums. I think it sort of does, yeah. It's kind of yeah. in the world of it. Um, because I read Reddit threads to fall asleep mm-hmm. and then sometimes I'm like, is that bad for my like my brain mm. the blue light does it mess with my sleep cycles but again I don't think that's what you're talking about no it's not exactly I think that people find um that sometimes it's a big dramatic situation where people realize actually I am a addicted to social media like it's, I'm addicted to Instagram I can't stop scrolling on Instagram or they realize that they are being they're mental health has been affected in a negative way by some particular aspect of social media, such as um, comparing themselves to 
people who have filters on their face or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. But then I think there's also um, a group of people who who realise that social media as a whole and their engagement maybe with their phone um, ha- is having lots of little negative impacts on their mental health and they feel that they would like a break from it. So, like, for example, somebody who's, who feels like, I don't know if I drink too much, but I would like to see how healthy I felt if I didn't drink at all. Yeah. You know, that kind of way. So I think there's various levels to this. But we do know from research has showed us that social media can cause increased stress and anxiety or reduce our self-esteem when we constantly compare our lives to others mm-hmm. and find our own lacking or we expose ourselves to um, negative or damaging behaviours or personalities or viewpoints that would we would not tolerate in real life. Yeah. And so that can be really emotionally draining and lead to a kind of a social media burnout. So that's why I think a lot of people will talk about a social media detox in that same way as you would have a detox from junk food. Mm-hmm. They're thinking this is this is becoming like a toxin in my system, how yeah. much I'm engaging with this thing. Well because we have a we have a thanks therapy Twitter Yes. I don't have a personal Twitter. Mm. You have mentioned that you have maybe seven Twitter accounts and (laughs) I am stressed about it. No, I have. I think I've narrowed it down to three Twitter accounts now. (laughs) Why? Only three? No, no. Yes, three three Twitter accounts, yeah. So personal, professional and and thanks therapy. I I removed the the personal one because it was pointless. So I have my band and I have um, my uh, academic one. And then I have Thanks Therapy. Because we have the Thanks Therapy one mm. and I'm logged into it on my phone, I have the Twitter app, but it's not necessarily people that I would have gone on and followed. Yeah. It's like a business account. Yeah. Um, business. But then what happens is I go on there to kind of look around and snoop about it and then I just, it's like a scroll of just people shouting. It feels like they're just shouting at me, mm. being like, Interesting that the podcasting world hasn't cottoned on to blur. I yeah. feel like that's the tone of Twitter and that's why I it makes me remember that's why I deleted Twitter. Yeah. Because it all seems really like here's the here's the new take. I know. You guys haven't thought about this. That's so embarrassing. A lot of sarcastic and people on Twitter, yeah. It sucks. I hate it so much. Like mm. occasionally you do get a nice thread of people being like, Here's wonderful things I've seen working in the NHS or something like that. Yeah. But I think if I were to be I know it's very important to have um, Twitter for academic careers. Yes, it like is. Like you're, it's yeah. really important apparently. Yeah. And I, it makes me glad that I don't think I will need to have a Twitter because mm-hmm. I think it does not, um, the particular format of that social media platform makes me sad. Yeah, I know. I mean, the, each of them I think is useful for different things. Like Facebook now is one of those things where you kind of have to have it if you have a band events. or events or a business. Yeah, like yeah. it's nearly like the Facebook has become the yellow pages yeah. of, of social media, mm-hmm. and um, Instagram is one of those things where, for the like of our band, we need to have Instagram to increase our reach, mm-hmm. and then again, 
you have to have a Twitter for your band, even though Twitter is like one of the worst mediums for, for music, music delivery. Yeah. So it's strange, like, you you know, each of them is good for different things. But academically, I have to have a Twitter and I have to retweet all the all the things that the university's doing and other academics are doing. And That's you wild. Know, you have to be connect, connected to all that stuff on Twitter for it. But I, what I thought you were going to say was about sort of doom scrolling on on Twitter. And one of the things, the really nefarious thing about social media is that it is trying to keep you addicted and keep you logged in. Like that's yeah. how those platforms are devised. Have you watched The Social Network, Hannah? Is it starring Jesse Eisenberg? Is that that one? I think so. I... Does he play Mark Zuckerberg? No, so it's not... Um, it's not about Facebook, so it's about. Um, let me just check the name of this. I've seen the film about Mark Zuckerberg. If you, about Facebook, if you want to talk about that film, but I don't think I've seen the Social Network. Oh, sorry, I'm saying the wrong um, name. The Social Dilemma. Oh no, that's a different film. <laughs> that's a totally I different film. Haven't seen that. I have seen the social media. Uh, no, I have seen the Social Network. <laughs> and I thought it was fine. I really wish I hadn't brought it up now because <laughs> I had totally misnamed it. Anyway, The Social Dilemma, um, it's quite scary when you watch it. You come out of it going, oh my God, this is terrifying. Um, because it's sort of about the dangers of social media and the manipulation that goes on, how these companies essentially manipulate us and how it can negatively influence particularly young people. Mm-hmm. So in it, there's this lovely young boy who's turned into an extremist, essentially, because his recommendations keep steering him down these dark directions. Um, And a lot of that is for advertising. So it's to sell advertising to companies who want to be in front of our eyes. So thanks, capitalism. Yes, stop it. So that is scary. That it definitely gives you pause when you watch that film. That's like all that is objectively bad. I know it is, but it's not only the keeping you on and potentially seeing damaging content. For me, I find that I just waste a lot of time, like watching reels and short videos. They're so entertaining because if you don't like one, you just skip past it. Yeah. And then suddenly you're like, what's this person going to do? Or, yeah. you know, um, they've worked out how to keep our eyes glued to the screen. It's incredibly effective. Emma, can I just interrupt you to tell you that watching reels is like deeply elder millennial? <laughs> Because sometimes you send me reels and they're always really cute, but I have always seen them before on TikTok. Oh, right, and okay. this is me telling you. Yes. This is the way I'm breaking the news That's to you. That's okay. No, that I totally understand. I know that they all come from like either YouTube shorts or TikTok anyway. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's the defining bre- break between our mid-sub-generations. Mm-hmm. Like millennial, I'm a millennial, so I'll be on TikTok Yes, well, I'll be on Instagram and um, or Facebook. And um, I what I find when I have tried to look at things on TikTok is there's far too much young people just doing nonsense. Yeah. You know, and that might be because my recommendations are messed up because of the, the ones that my kids send me, which are consist entirely of young people doing nonsense. <laughs> yeah. If you that's spend, what they like. If you were to spend, say... Um, a couple of hours intermittently over the course of a couple of days on TikTok, it would it would show you what stuff you like. Dogs. Soulful music, dogs, 
vintage clothing, <laughs> mid-century furniture. It would feed. Oh, it would, yeah, it would without work you it having out, yeah. to do anything, because that's yeah. what it did to me. It was like, hello, do you have depression? <laughs> Are you a bit gay? Do you do you like um, bands from the seventies? Here we go. Here's all your personality in the algorithm. Yeah, and sometimes I see stuff on it that I'm like, what? That doesn't apply to me. Mm-hmm. And then upon reflection, I'm like, it very much does. So for me, I find that interesting and a little concerning, but I think other people have, you know, much stronger views about the fact that they can, the algorithm can predict what we will be interested in based on all of the data that's collecting about us. Some people find that, you know, that that bothers them. Rightly so. I'm talking about it in a very lighthearted way because nothing bad has happened to me because of this, because it's just like... Hello, you idiot. <laughs> Do you want to see some dogs? <laughs> um, but yeah, for those who are maybe less um, certain about themselves, it might yeah. be a thing that could lead you astray. And also, I don't understand how they do that. I would love to understand how it's so accurate. Mm. But anyway, we're not computer scientists. Well, you should scientists. watch The Social Dilemma. <laughs> I, maybe I should watch that film. <laughs> um, but I think what worries me about it is that I sometimes I struggle with having a good attention span and with consuming other media, like reading a book. Mm-hmm. And I worry that this exacerbates it. And if it exacerbates it for me, you can be sure it exacerbates it for children. And I know that that's a worry of a lot of parents and people that... If they, if we get used to consuming our media in these little short bursts mm-hmm. where we can just flick past it and the next interesting thing comes in front of our eyes, it'll be more difficult for us to um, maintain our attention on stuff that is harder to digest. Yeah. You know, like big tomes of literature and <laughs> scientific texts. Well, I'm still reading those every night. It's kind of like, you know, when people talk about doing like um like a... Th- two-day fast for insulin resistance or something. Uh-huh. Like a social media break is like the equivalent of that for getting your brain back to being able to watch a three-minute video. Well, I mean, maybe that's that's the test. Maybe that's what people are curious about. Like, would I feel better if I didn't drink alcohol for two to four weeks? Yeah. Would I feel mentally better if I didn't go on social media for two to four? Would you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. it's an experiment as much as anything else. But... In terms of children, this is quite a contentious area in developmental psychology because prior to this, um, the big debate was about whether or not video games caused violent behaviour. Yeah. So the thing that parents groups and conservative groups and educators wanted the research to show was that video games caused violent behaviour. That's what they wanted it to show. Yeah. But the research didn't show that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it showed that the vast majority of children, it didn't cause violent behaviour. Those children who acted out things that they saw in video games would likely have been violent anyway and usually had other, often multiple adverse experiences which were going on in their lives and Mm. were influencing their behaviour way more than video games. I remember when Sam was a very young child, he had hit someone and someone who was sort of a family member and not even that old, you know, had blamed the Spider-Man cartoons that he was watching. Spider-Man. I know, he's like, that's those Spider-Man cartoons he's watching. <laughs> and he was about three at the time, right? Yeah. Um, and actually the reason he was hitting was a completely appropriate developmental stage he was navigating. He yeah. didn't know how else to communicate his feelings um, and he was being a, 
a child. And he soon learned his boundaries, you know. But um, the thing about the violent video games and about now how social media, which is the current thing that people are worried is corrupt in the youth, is that, like many things, it isn't as black and white as that. Yeah. From Socrates to now, we have been worried about <laughs> corrupting the youth, you know. <laughs> well, like, I have to say, I get immediately bored when I'm saying adults as if I'm not an adult, but when adults and boomers, sorry, <laughs> I'm going to say it, it pejoratively, attribute, like, any perceived issue with younger generations to, like, phone usage and social mm. media and yeah. watching YouTube because it seems like, like you say, too black and white and it's kind of lazy. Yeah. It's kind of being like, that's the problem. We need to take that problem away and then X, Y, Z will happen and that that's not immediately clear. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like, I don't know, just point the finger at that problem and be like, that's what's causing all these issues and ignoring all the other stuff that yeah. is very difficult about life in general. Yeah. Um that has that same kind of flavour of like, I don't understand this because it's new. and Young people understand it and like it and I feel excluded and therefore it's bad. Yeah. Um, which ignores all the potential positive aspects of social media. Like um, I remember when I was a teenager, uh, mum kind of criticising that I just wanted to look things up all the time. It's like, you didn't used to be able to look things up. You just used to, <laughs> you would have had to go to the library. And I was like, well, isn't a cracker that, the library is in our house now and I can Wikipedia things because I'm on a quest for knowledge. Like I, I was, I remember feeling really like betrayed or something like outraged that my, you know, curiosity was being Criticized, treated as if yeah. it was like, stop just staring at a computer screen. It's like, no, but I'm learning crazy. mother, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So totally. I think there's like a generational clash at some points there. Yeah, and the thing is, is that, like, it, it's always been like that. Yeah. Literally, people it's were worried about new. Elvis. <laughs> this is not, not new. Yeah. People were worried about Elvis. He was overly sexual because of his pelvis, and that's why they called him Elvis the pelvis. Um, you know, they were worried about the Beatles. They thought it was making young girls manic. I know this is music mainly, I'm quoting, but, you know, Socrates, they were worried Socrates was corrupt in the youth. We've always been worried that the new thing that's happening, new thoughts, new ideas, challenging the social order, challenging the, the status quo is corrupting the youth, is doing some sort of damage to the youth. And it's just, it's it's more complicated than that. It is lazy thinking when you think about it like that. The thing is, is that social media, phones, technology, the internet, it's all here to stay. We have to find a way yeah. to work with it and and find out are there damaging effects. Mm-hmm. So on that topic, um, in the book, Selected Studies on Child and Adolescent Mental Health. I know that book. There's a chapter on social media. And the authors, Jonathan Glazard and Samuel Stone, begin by pointing out that there is evidence to suggest that social media can have a detrimental effect on children and young people's mental health. Yes. But go on to point out that there are many positives as well. They do start out with the worst of it. Unfortunately, we have to point out, as they did, that young people have lost their lives as a result of social media um, through suicide due to either viewing distressing images of self-harm or due to cyberbullying or other unhealthy or damaging interactions. So many people have campaigned for social media organisations to take more responsibility. And some have argued that education is the only way we can really protect young people 
given that social media is everywhere and the billionaires that own it are not really persuaded by things as trivial as well-being <laughs> or safety or the future generation's mental health. Yeah. But actually, thanks to an increase in education and just because young people are awesome, studies have shown that they're actually quite aware of the risks of being online and how to keep themselves safe. But that, of course, doesn't mean everyone at all times forever. Everyone is still vulnerable in certain circumstances. Yeah. You know, so they could be vulnerable to a predator or to bullying, even the most savvy young person who thinks they've got it all under control. But like everything you've just said there, if you took it out of the context of us talking about social media, could be said about like uh, drinking or drug use, yes. recreational drug use or casual sex. Or bullying or, you know, peer pressure. Remember when peer pressure was such a big deal? Yeah, I'd, I'm going to say right now, I don't think I've experienced peer pressure <laughs> in my life. And I'm, if anything, I've peer pressured others unknowingly because... The way it was spoken about in school was like, you're going to go out there and you're going to get peer pressured and then you're going to sniff glue. And that just didn't really happen. Like, I definitely did stupid things as a teenager because someone was like, do you want to do this? But I do remember sometimes being like, no, thanks. And it was Mm. not an issue. Anything I did that was stupid is because I was like, that seems brilliant. That That seems so stupid. I'm going to love doing that. But like, I think it's that thing of, like you're saying about education being the only way mm-hmm. to kind of not control because I don't think controlling it is the right way, but I don't know, reducing harm. Yeah. Like, you know, that thing of like, oh, if you're going to drink, do you know, do it at home. The people say to teenagers, like, yeah. we'd rather you don't get steaming in a field and fall over and book. We want you to do this responsibly, learn about it here in like a safe arena. Yeah. And then take that knowledge out into the world and make your own well-informed mistakes. Mm -hmm. That seems to be, like, if I were in charge, (laughs) that's the way I would design some kind of program of education about, like, don't do stupid things, but also if you're going to do them, here's how to minimise the damage you will cause to yourself, mentally or otherwise. Yeah, it is just very hard for, like, speaking as a parent, it's hard to accept that your young person will have to do some stupid things and, you know, make some mistakes. And probably see bad stuff on the internet and be like, oh, I wish I hadn't seen that. And that has happened to both of mine. You know, it does, it is the reality of it. And if, if I was to, to share that, for example, with my mum, she would find that unacceptable to tolerate. So she finds that unacceptable to tolerate and she basically thinks, get them off it. Mm -hmm. But that isn't possible that's not one of my options yeah one of my options not feasible really yeah take them away from all social media and technology and there'll be some people listening who will say well why not and the reason is because it's the same reason as why I can't prevent them ever having any sweets or Mm -hmm. candy if you're American candy um it's just not realistic it's they will find a way if I if I ban them from all social media, they'll find a way onto it anyway. So and banning it makes it so attractive. Attractive, yeah. Like if someone's like, "Don't ever go near this substance that everybody else is enjoying," you'll be like, "I can't wait to get some of that substance." <laughs> yeah, that seems brilliant. That must be so seriously good. Yeah, if people are restricting my access to it. Um. I had told you before off podcast about um, a girl who I did my PhD with 
Um, so she's now Dr. Deborah Webster. Yes. And she um, runs a company called Thrive Academy, which is all about um, her PhD was about social media and its impact on adolescent development mm-hmm. and mental well-being. And so she has set up this um, educational resource essentially so she gives talks to parents groups and schools and different and and young people as well about basically how to use social media wow it's amazing um so i think education is key because you know studies have shown that social media use leads to young people developing mental health conditions such as anxiety mm-hmm. um and researchers found that four out of five social media platforms make young people's feelings of anxiety worse. And research suggests that young people who use social media heavily are more likely to report psychological distress. So none of that is really great. Yeah. Um, and But it is a double-edged sword. And so there was a systematic review published in 2020 in the Journal of Mental Health and Social Inclusion. And it found that Reported negative effects from social media we, that we've talked about, like anxiety, cyberbullying, body image issues, loneliness, poor sleep, there were all of those factors were present in the studies that they reviewed in that systematic review. But there were also positive factors. So access to health information. Well, I mean, that's questionable, that one. But um, community building, social networking, um, maintaining and expressing identity yeah. and forming and maintaining relationships all of which are really, really positive things. So there's two sides to this story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, because I didn't have social media when I was a teenager in school, after I got out of school, because it was horrific school for me, it was, yeah. the horrific is maybe an extreme term, but it wasn't enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and I thought afterwards, I'm so glad that social media didn't exist because I for sure would have been, bullied on social media for sure I would have been there would have been things said about me and all sorts of rumours spread and all that kind of thing because that was going on in the school so it would have been going on outside of the school so then my you know nieces and and people who were coming up and using social media I was a bit worried about that and I thought you know how will they manage this how will they navigate this and I remember asking Eva um, my niece your cousin Eva (laughs) one time about it uh, and asking her how she found it. And she, she found it broadly positive because one of the things about social media is it is an echo chamber, mm-hmm. mostly of who we interact with. So if you were the type of child that I was, where, um, you know, people said nasty things about you and spread rumours and, and things like that, then you would probably have that translate onto social media. But if you've got a, a good circle, generally, you know, pleasant environment in your school, that will equally translate onto social media. Yeah. And so it's not, I think people, as soon as they hear, you know, oh, bullying and cyberbullying and you'll never be able to escape it, are forgetting that not everybody's bullied, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully. I never got bullied. Well, that's nice. I'm but glad. I think mostly just because I didn't get involved in stuff. Mm. I was mostly on the periphery. And that's kind of my experience in social media as well. I don't know. It's interesting about an echo chamber. Well, I don't know really. that I was bullied. I just had some people who didn't like me and mm. um, and were kind of vocal about it and maybe tried to, you know, instigate a campaign of bullying against me. 
And that's because of my personality, which is like, hello, I'm here <laughs> and I'm a wonderful. Theatrical. <laughs> Theatricality. Yeah. Some, not everybody, you know, vibes with that. And I fully understand that. Well, it is. That it's attention grabbing. And with attention, yeah. there will be bad press. Yeah. Some people will be like, why is she always getting a load of attention? Yeah. I'm going to... Um, write on nasty things on her locker well yeah like you got a nasty thing written on your locker but the difference would be now somebody would tweet a nasty thing yes and well, exactly. you would then that would be different it would but be also different. the same <laughs> it would be worse i do think it would be worse i'm really glad it didn't exist when i was in school so social media has also been associated with body image concerns now in addition to unrealistic body shape standards, we have every single person on Instagram Reels with a filter on. Yeah. And actually, I mean, here I go on Reels again, but um, <laughs> when you're looking at them and say they're doing something about, you know, they're repeating some sort of funny thing that somebody else has said about, if you ever see me, <laughs> you will know what to do. And I will tell you uh-uh, no way, honey sugar pie. Is this a reel that you've seen? No, but they all follow that same sort of format, right? And they're, and you're like, God, their skin is amazing and the shape of their face and their eyes and their makeup is so good. You all, I always think that. But there's become like a trend of people saying, this filter is supposed to be natural. I don't look like this. I, do you want to see what I really look like? Oh, really? Yeah, there's That's a good. whole reel of them. It is good, except... Do they then they show what still, they actually look like? No. Yes, but they're, they are all still using the filter. And yeah. so the problem is, is that your brain, you might hear one thing, but your brain is seeing a different thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like a... It's an excuse to use the filter, really. It's an excuse to say, you know... I'm embarrassed I'm using this filter, but I'm going to because look how pretty look I how look. Look how nice I look. Yeah, yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. Being like, you know, here's an Instagram story of, of me and this, it wouldn't it be crazy if I really looked this nice? Look at the photo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually thinking of doing a reel for us for Thanks Therapy, yeah. right? So I've been trying to think about getting into reels for a while, but I just can't do it in any kind of genuine way. You know, it, it makes me feel weird and embarrassed. Embarrassed. So the one that I had found that I was thinking of doing for Thanks Therapy is um, a filter whereby it puts you in a car <laughs> that's being chased by a police car. Why? And so it's just your face, a circle <laughs> of your face, and you're, you've got your little hand, your little fake animated hand on the wheel. It's hilarious. I, that sounds really cute. I, I tried to share, share it with you. I'll show you it later. Um, Emma, have you ever seen the Instagram account called Instagram Reality? I haven't, no. It's not affiliated with Instagram. Oh. Um, confusingly, <laughs> and I don't know how they have that username, but basically it's like uh, they they will post like, you know, a still of Kim Kardashian or here's, you know, here's a photo she posted to her Instagram. Mm -hmm. Here's where all the retouching is. <gasps> or they'll show like, it's mostly red carpet ones because you have the like the professional photographers will share with someone the actual photographs that have been taken on the red carpet. Uh -huh. And then they put it side by side by the ones that the celebrities post to their personal Instagrams. Right. And you can see the huge difference. Oh, But because we God. don't see those, um, you know, 
the original photographs. Oh. We think that celebrities just look like that and they don't. Oh my God. It's crazy because... I can't believe that. It was the Met Gala recently. Mm-hmm. Big night it for was. us. I was thinking of going, but then I just didn't. I Harry Styles couldn't. wasn't going, so I thought, well, I'm not going to go either. Then. Yeah, it's boring. Harry's not there. Um, But they, so they were showing like, here's what Kendall Jenner posted on her Instagram of that night and... Mm-hmm. They don't even put any commentary. They just put the photos and be like, look, it requires no commentary. <laughs> like, you can see the point we're making. And it's just normal stuff. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, yes, celebrities are stinking anyway. Like, no, it's definitely not that. It's But it's like, you know, Kendall Jenner has texture on her skin. Yeah. her ma- You can see where her makeup sits. Uh-huh. You know, she had, say, a smudge or she has a little bit of skin that hangs over the back of her top like anybody else mm-hmm. but those things are so effectively removed yeah from their edited sort of um internet presences no i mean i don't envy uh, that wasn't my takeaway my takeaway was um my takeaway wasn't oh celebrities are rubbish yeah no. they're rubbish anyway <laughs> my takeaway was the standards that we think we're supposed to try and live up to and the standards that they are holding themselves to are not even based in reality. Yeah. Which is therefore impossible. It's impossible to meet those standards. But the the thing was about, I saw this the other day and kind of was thinking about this episode. Before I had seen these comparisons, I didn't even realize my own assumptions that that's how they look. I don't really think, I don't have a conscious thought process of going, oh, I wish I had their beautiful, clear skin. But when I saw that um, someone like Kendall Jenner has like a little bit of texture bump on her skin, Mm -hmm. I have rosacea Mm. and it sometimes looks bumpy. And I was like, oh, I've never seen a celebrity in full, you know, formal evening wear with their makeup done. And I can still see Mm -hmm. a little bump on their skin because you you can't you do never anything see about those that pictures, yeah. in real life and I never see those pictures so I was like I didn't even realize what I didn't know uh-huh. I didn't even realize what was going on without uh-huh. my knowledge in my own brain well I didn't really realize that either I think I just thought they were like goddesses of perfection and you know I was like oh well I just have bumpy skin then yeah like bumpy normal human skin yeah um in my day, you know, so now it's all about social media and how these images are shared and photoshopping as well. But in my day, God, I sound 100, but anyway, it was magazines and catwalk models. Mm-hmm. So there was Kate Moss and other very slim catwalk models. Um, and this was targeted as being responsible for, you know, young girls per body image at that time. Um, I think models are still forced to be unnaturally thin because of some weird thing designers have about how clothes hang on them. Yeah, that's stupid. Despite the fact that most women don't look like that. Yeah. But anyway, in my day, it was stick-thin models, as they were referred to, and magazines that were making us all have body dysmorphia and an eating disorder. And so I feel like we have to be careful of falling into that idea that, you know, it, it's social media that is corrupting us in terms of yeah it's just uh, a body image issues it's format, just a new really. format it's a new delivery of these same unrealistic standards um i mentioned socrates earlier because he was executed one of his crimes was for corrupting the youth and he's executed mm-hmm. i, I think that. he had to eat poison i think he was one of the ones that had to eat poison in the jesus prison cell. 
Okay. Um, or maybe he did that to avoid whatever the worst thing that was going to happen. But one of his crimes was corrupting the youth. And what he was actually doing was like questioning the social, cultural and moral norms at the time. And, you know, that's something that I think every generation has to do in their own, own time, really. But aside from that, I do think there is something to be said about the fact that mainly women in the public eye, very, very high profile, believe that they can't share a picture of them, of how they look. Like, that must be awful for them. It's not great for young girls coming up, but it must be awful for them. Yeah. If they have to retouch every picture that, you know, I can't imagine what their body dysmorphia is going on because mine's not great over here and I'm not retouching all my pictures. Not taking that many pictures of myself, to mm. be fair. You've got other stuff going on as well. Yeah, I'm a bit busy for it's that. Not, kind of also, it's not part of your job. To look no. a certain way. Well, it is sometimes, and and you know, I, there was one time where I was, we were getting pictures taken for the band. We haven't done that very much. In fact, we've only done it once, and then we've had to use them for I don't know four years now or whatever. But so we were getting pictures taken, and I was very unhappy with flaws in my face in the pictures, and was trying to sort of blur them out and using a little bit of Photoshop. Um. And I mentioned this to your mum and she said, just don't get any pictures taken of your face. That's what I do. <laughs> and I sort of said, well, I that's not an option for me. Yeah. Like, I can't very well send out promo pictures of a duo that just have Marty in them or <laughs> maybe me from behind or something, you know. So, yeah, it's... there's a balance to be struck there yeah. between, you know, and I've worked on it for a lot of my life trying to accept my human body and its flaws and, you know, recognise that that is not my worth, that does not constitute my worth. And it's actually one of the least interesting things about me mm. is is how I look. So, um, you know, but nevertheless, you still have to have pic- pictures taken and you, you want to feel marginally okay about them. It's you nice know? to feel nice, you know. It is nice to feel nice. In terms of, just to go back to this, the youth. The youth. Um, the youngs point. Um, one thing, another positive that they get from their engagement with social media, with YouTube and um, uh, with their phones mainly, is that they do have a, a lot of general knowledge. Yeah. Now you do have to be careful about the accuracy of that and I am obviously aggressively harassing mine to check their sources yeah. I've caught Sam out a few times but other times he's turned out to be correct at something that I thought there's no way that's true you know mm-hmm. definitely check your sources but as long as we're questioning as long as they are questioning and they know not to just accept everything at face value um, Charlie um, was mentioning that his um, favourite figure in um, Greek mythology was Heracles so he was using the Greek pronunciation of Hercules Good. and he was explaining all of that to me and that was because he's watching a YouTube channel about um, mythology okay. which he's That's, got really into That can surely only be good well, I mean, I do think there's good, and he he has another YouTube channel that he watches, which is all about space. Aww. So there are, you know, at one point we had a rule whereby you could watch 
you know, three unboxing toy videos if you watched one educational video. <laughs> it's hard to police, though. It We're quite busy. We're justify, quite busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't sit and watch it with, with them. No, my God, I won't watch. I will not watch another unboxing video in my life. I've Please. not watched one. I'm so pleased you're bored. You don't want to get seems into it. Really boring. Yeah. Um, the the thing about checking sources, like that, I would extend that to just do like a personal rule I have is like, do I need to post my opinion all oh, the time? Yeah, because absolutely, I love to do. I I would love to do that. Right. I would love to have like an anonymous Twitter account where I just bitch about things mm -hmm. but I stop myself from yeah. doing that because I'm like well you know why do you need to bitch like mm -hmm. let's take this into therapy perhaps <laughs> maybe you should do some other kind of work around your feelings of negativity maybe it's not good to indulge those and occasionally I because I'm quite sort of the I mostly use Instagram as my main social media mm. and I follow a lot of kind of lefty people on there and sometimes I'm like do I need to reshare this infographic about how badly we all treated Jeremy Corbyn? Mm. Or do the people I follow already, already know, know that yeah. and they don't need me to fucking repost it? Like, I, you know, am I just as bad as any other person out there just sharing, mindlessly sharing stuff? Being like, I agree with that. I'm going to I'm going to post that. Um, don't know if I, I've said this before on the podcast, Emma, but I hate the Tories. I don't know if you said it on the podcast, You've definitely said it, said it in our real lives. Yeah, a lot. And also... As have I. The royal family, with the exception of Diana. Sorry to anyone who's upset by that. <laughs> but I saw a, a post today somebody had shared on their Instagram story, which is an image of Prince Charles's recent... He did the Queen's speech. Yeah. For some reason. Because she's well, ill. she's just very, very elderly. I think they're transitioning power or something. Okay. Well, he was literally bedecked in gold. His clothes yeah. were gold, his hat crown thing, his chair, <laughs> the walls around hat. him were solid, literally solid gold yeah. with jewels, etc. And it is obscene. He's delivering a speech and talking about measures they will be they will be taking to address the rising cost of living in the UK, which is enough on its own. And then yeah. whoever had made this, you know, I don't want to call it an infographic because there wasn't really any info. It was just like, look at these two things beside each other. Yeah. But um, next to this big gaudy picture was a still from a documentary about families on the breadline, which is like dispatches or something. And there's a little boy talking to the camera and the caption is, we we try not to eat too much in one day. Yeah. And it was depressing mm -hmm. and made me so angry and summed up so much of what I think is wrong. And I nearly shared it to my own story and then just stopped myself because I was like... This is more commentary. It's like visual commentary, really. Mm. It's not news. Um, again, the people who I who interact with me on social media probably are of similar opinions. And if they're not, they're probably just going to ignore it anyway. Why am I posting it? Is it just to sort of excise my outrage? Yeah. And, and am I just contributing more outrage? And I, I think I, I was kind of thinking I should be conscious of this mm. just in general because obviously that it did affect me to see that. But then what do I, what am I doing with that? Should I do something more productive like volunteer at a food bank? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel exactly the same. And um, But what then happens is I often feel like I'm 
not I'm uninvolved like I'm yeah. opting out of the of the commentary or of um raising the profile of of an opinion because I'm not sharing the thing so I think it's you have to find a balance in there don't you really and also you have to volunteer at a food bank I mean when the during the pandemic I mean I didn't have time to volunteer at a food bank but I did donate a lot of a lot of stuff to food banks food banks raised money for food banks things like that but that's not going to be enough anymore like mm-hmm. we have to we're we're putting a stick and plaster on a, a bigger problem we need to get to the source of the problem we've gone into a real socialist area Hannah. that was socialism corner That's, thank you that happens in this podcast baby speaking of food banks i i also saw another thing on instagram today that was um like a red ribbon cutting at a food bank <laughs> And I just thought, Yay. no, we had to open another food Yay. bank. These people are so hungry. They have no money. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah, it is bad. And, you know, that kind of news and your level of exposure to it. And again, probably the algorithm does this to us as well. Yeah. But it, it can vary on how much you can tolerate. And that's one of the things that I think people often want to take a break from on social media is especially since the pandemic happened really is being exposed to a lot of bad news or maybe a lot of negative behavior on twitter but also the relaying of negative news on twitter so the thing that you were saying about about everybody being kind of sarcastic what happens is somebody does something bad a politician does something or you know there's some kind of like say the party gate outrage yeah right and then you just get repeated opinions of people saying about how terrible this was and it really can feed a kind of a negative um you know underlying feeling Mm -hmm. in yourself and or it can you know feed a very anxious underlying feeling at the start of the pandemic one thing that I did was I was checking a website with infection rates updated global infection rates and I was checking that four or five times a day Mm. I was obsessively checking it I felt to reassure myself to manage my anxiety but of course I was you know I didn't have to look at that yeah we were locked down in the house you know I didn't have to look at that really but I did (laughs) but yeah you do I, Um, I remember doing stuff like that and Marty would come in and be like what are you looking at there and I'd be like Uh, nothing (laughs) nothing I'm not refreshing that website again I promise (laughs) but it was almost irresistible yeah and I had to learn to stop doing it because it ultimately wasn't good for my mental health so that brings me to what would some of the signs be that you needed a social media break so I have a list here I don't know where I achieved this list did you make the list on the internet okay (laughs) I gathered it um, so one sign might be being unable to control the amount of time spent on social media. So if you're spending longer and longer time, you can't control the amount of time you're missing out and doing other things. Yeah, that would be a sign you you need to take a break. Um, feeling bad when you're logging off. So noticing that you're left with lingering worries, especially those that make you feel that you're somehow not good enough or not measuring up. I would add to that um, feeling bad when you're logging off and being unable to let go say you were like looking at an ex's profile um Mm -hmm. obsessively or something like that 
essentially what you're acting out in social media is something that you're not able to let go of emotionally. Yeah, or I, resolve in or real resolve life. Or resolve in real life, yeah. yeah. You're that they call that well, they call that that is what I think of as looking to hurt your own feelings and then mm. being annoyed when they're hurt. Yeah. Like just don't do it. Just don't do it. Definitely try and avoid it's it so if you can. Impossible to not do though. I think we've all done that at some point. Yeah. Um, feeling the need to check messages, notifications, or a particular profile in a in an obsessive way. So I would add to this that anything in an obsessive way seems bad. Is a sign that one needs to address some of those, you know, address whatever that is if you're doing it in an obsessive way. Yeah. But in terms of social media, if you're checking messages, checking your phone, you know, wondering why you're, you've not got a notification again, that's something that's happening in real life or in your emotional world that um, you need to address mm-hmm. outside of social media. Um, well, something that I do with my own behaviours around mm-hmm. social media use, particularly phone use, that I don't like that I do and I think it's stupid. I'm right. going to try and stop doing it. Okay. Is I will do a thing where I feel like I want my brain to have two forms of stimulation. Okay. At once. I want both. Ah. Uh, I've seen this in some of the youngs. The youngs do this and apparently it's like a, quite a thing. So I will watch something on my laptop, for example. This mm-hmm. most recently happened when I was watching Dairy Girls. And I was really excited to see the new episode of Dairy Girls. And I was yeah. like, oh, great, there's a new one. No Can't spoilers. To- I'm not going to do spoilers. Okay. They- do you know what happens, Emma? No. They're in Dairy. Um, <laughs> then I will also, so I'll start the episode, be like, yeah, oh, great, my show. Then I'll open my phone and I'll open Reddit mm-hmm. and start reading something on a sub that I like, like... Um, Am I the asshole? Mm-hmm. And that requires reading. Yeah. And I can't take in what's happening in Dairy Girls mm-hmm. and read about this person's marriage yeah. at once. And it means I concentrate on neither thing. Yeah. Not only that, but I annoy myself. Mm-hmm. I find myself getting irritated because I'll miss stuff in the program and have to pause and go back. Or I won't be concentrating on what I'm reading and misunderstand it. Um, It's a mess. Yes. I don't know why I do it. Do you not know? I was going to ask you, do you know why you do it's it? It's about dopamine. Yeah. What, what do you what, think What way is? do you think it's about dopamine? I think I've short-circuited my dopamine thingy by mm. by being on TikTok. <laughs> well, I have observed this in other people as well. And what I had supposed it was to do with, I felt it was a kind of um, an anxiety management technique. Interesting. Right? That it was, it's... This is something that I did want to talk about, but whenever you're sort of avoiding the program mm-hmm. by looking at the phone and um, the phone and the Reddit and the and the reading those kind of things like a sub that you like and you know you're going to be comfortable in is to give you something that is a bit more predictable and that you can oh, you know where you're... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And so when I've seen it in other people, um, what they're trying to do is that it's they're engaging the freeze aspect of the four Fs mm-hmm. that we've talked about before, which are fight, flight, freeze and fawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and the freeze aspect is one that we is under explored, I think, and under discussed. But it is something that is related to social media and how we engage with social media on our phones so 
often people will talk about young people being like glued to their phones, constantly scrolling um, and not able to engage in things that they might have otherwise liked. Now, sometimes that's literally just because they're bored and because they're teenagers. But sometimes it's worth looking at a little bit more closely because it can be a way that they are managing their anxiety. Doom scrolling on, on our phones is a freeze technique. It's mm-hmm. a freeze um, yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah. it's a freeze symptom of, of that. And so what I find whenever, and now I actually do that same thing, Hannah, and and I will always, often look at my phone, particularly if I'm trying to watch something that I know is going to become dramatic. Yeah. I'll pick up my phone or sometimes I'll pause it and leave the room, to be honest with you. I really yeah. can't handle, you know, new shows that well. But that's my thinking about it. I know what you're saying about that maybe because we watch short things all the time, we've we we need the double amount of stimulation and that also I think could be the case. Yeah. Well people. that's an oversimplification, but also I think in doing the double thing of like watching something and also reading something, I I'm trying to do nothing. I'm yes. trying to switch off entirely. Yeah. But I'm doing it in a in the most stressful way possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, again, that's that is part of our phrase, isn't it? When you yeah. want to switch off, when you want to do nothing, that's that's part of the phrase response for sure. Have I told you about my what I do about shows that are dramatic or or stressful or scary? You find out what the end is gonna be. I actively seek out spoilers. It's a really good technique. It has it helped works me so watch. Well. It's helped me watch Have you films done it? that I really I wanted a spoiler for the new Spider-Man film because I wanted to know. I forgot that, I that could we talked about it. this. Mm-hmm. Yes, you. It's like being like, okay, I don't want to be shocked. I don't want to be blindsided by some th- massive deal, mm-hmm. which for maybe a less anxious person would be part of the fun. Yeah. I do not identify with that. <laughs> so I want to know who dies. I want to yeah. know what the twist is, and then I'm not going. Oh my God, what's going to happen? I will probably, when I go home tonight and watch the new episode of Dare Girls, I might look up what happens. Mm. Because, and that's not even a stressful show. There's like not that much jeopardy in Dare Girls. It's quite chill. But I probably will look up, you know, is anything bad happen? I know, but the thing is, is that I love Dare Girls. I think it's it's one of the best comedy television programs, certainly that's come out of Northern Ireland. Yeah. But, like in a wider way, I think it's absolutely genius, brilliant comedy TV. It's it's an ideal show for me. It's perfect. And I haven't watched the new series. And that's not because I haven't had the time. I could have found the time to watch the new series, truth be told, mm-hmm. right? The reason why I haven't watched the new series is because, because I enjoy it so much and because I like it so much and because it's so good and all that kind of stuff. It's just too intense an emotional experience for me. What we are so intense. Well, the thing is, Hannah, is that <laughs> we're kind of traumatized. Is the problem like I didn't used to be like this? It's not the problem. Like we're I've you always know, been like this. I think to be fair, it's I don't want to say oh, we're traumatized is the problem, but my, I know that my behavior around being able to engage with media in a relaxed way came about has only come about since 2020. Like I used to be able to watch uh, Jeopardy and intense things and scary things and worrying things. And um, 
my ability to do that has reduced. Oh, interesting. I mean, it's probably reduced before 2020, to be fair, but um, because when I was a teenager, I could watch horror films and then I watched one that really bothered me and I was like, nope, not yeah. for me anymore. Also, you have children. Yes. And and when you have children, there's a lot of stuff that you can't, that you stop being able to tolerate really because you just don't want it in your brain. Yeah. but That seems so reasonable. But even now, enjoyable things I can't watch. So there's Dairy two pro- programs, actually, two of our programs that we have that are sitting on Netflix, not being watched. And we're just watching Parks and Rec repeatedly. Because you know exactly what happens almost word for word. Yeah. So I mean, we should do another episode about this. I think we probably will have to do another episode about (laughs) not being able to watch new TV programs. (laughs) Well, what do you think that says about our true crime obsession? I think it's a similar thing. You're like anxiety hacking. Yeah, I do think you're you're trying to work out how can I manage these different fears that I have and things like that. Um, Also, what I find so good about true crime podcasts, particularly is I want to do something boring, but that I kind of like doing, like cleaning. Yeah. Um, while listening to something really engaging. It's cl- There is no feeling like that. Yeah. It's, it's really so good. good fun. Yeah. Or walking while listening to something that I occasionally have to stop in the middle of the street and go, what? What? Can you believe that? <laughs> the body was there all the time. <laughs> I'd love to witness that. So we went off track, but I'm going to come back to it now in terms of how to take a break. So how does one take a break? So for me, this is a good question because I recently realized my phone was making me feel bad and I didn't really know what to do about that. Mm -hmm. And I considered like turning it off and putting it in a drawer. And the only problem I could foresee were urgent calls about the children from the school. Yeah. Or my mum. And then I didn't do it anyway. (laughs) So how could you actually take a social media break practically and emotionally? So, Hannah. Yep. This insider article that I found um, gives you some guidance on how to take a break from social media. So turn off your notifications. Now, that this is going to be such an elder millennial thing to say. Yeah. But I literally did not think of doing that. Really? I didn't think of turning off the notifications so that, you know, you wouldn't get the ping or you wouldn't see on your phone that oh. stuff was on Facebook or somebody had tagged you and whatever. Um, I didn't even think about that. Wow. Didn't think about turning off the notifications. My notifications are managed to within an inch of their lives. Oh, okay. They. I do not get emails on my phone unless I seek them. Right. I go into the email app, I refresh. Uh, wow. They don't come up on the screen, they don't ping. Um, phone calls, people have to ring me twice in order for that to work. Well. Which is aggressive of me, I think, but <laughs> listen, that's what I want. Um, well, this article is pointing out that when you get a notification for a like or a comment on a post that you have put up, it results in a positive social stimulus and dopamine influx. Dopamine, you say? Yes, I know you like me to bring that into the conversation. I like to talk about dopamine. But if you think about this, I actually don't share that much on social media and mainly we share things for Thanks Therapy or I share stuff for the band. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do care to a certain extent that people engage with those posts, but I wouldn't be obsessed with it in any way. Yeah. Yeah. and 
But there have been times when I've shared something, say we've released a single, right? And we've shared it on our our band page. And then I've shared it from the band page, maybe onto my own Facebook page. And I've got a handful of likes and maybe a comment saying, that's great, Emma. (laughs) And then a few days later, maybe one of the children does a funny thing or the dog looks cute on a chair and I share a picture of that and it gets like 50 likes easily. Oh, do you feel weird? And I'm like, no, I go, I mean, you know, I I I wrote a song, I recorded it in a studio, I performed it, I put it onto Spotify and all the streaming platforms, I um, made a cover for it, I delivered it to your ear holes and yeah. only a few of you could bring yourselves to do whereas the child does something funny or the dog looks cute and everybody's like yay but I know that some people whenever they post a picture or a post or you know some people just write text posts some people write very long text posts and they are dying for people to react to those they Mm -hmm. are looking constantly to see how many likes they've got and you like who has liked it who has commented on it, that kind of thing. So that can be, and and that's not a healthy thing. Yeah. You know? I think I have the opposite, like, experience of that. Mm. Maybe not just so simple, but, like, when you get a notification for a like or comment on a post, it results in a positive stimulus. Uh-huh. I f- mostly feel anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I mostly go, oh, shit, oh, God, I hope, is there someone annoyed? Mm. Like, Mostly for texts and phone calls, but like uh, I got a notification the other day that someone had commented something on one of my Instagram posts and I was like, oh my God, that would be somebody being like, this is stupid Mm. or, you know, being like, why did you post this? Yeah. And my immediate assumption was that it was negative because it was someone I didn't know that well. And I was like, oh my God, I've annoyed someone. Mm. And obviously that was not the case. They were just being like, ha ha, great. So why, what's the crack there? Well, I, I think you know as well about that. I mean, that's, I meant that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, again, that's that's a trauma response. Whenever you react like that to somebody engaging with you with fear, it's, uh, you know, it's because of previous trauma. So you think, oh, I'm going to be, you know, this is going to be a negative thing Lambasted again. Online. This is going to be, yeah, yeah. And I, I do get that to a certain extent as well, but... um. And I suppose it's why I minimize my, um, you know, social media engagement. But I think that that some people are craving validation through their social media engagement. Yeah, for sure. Um, we just aren't. We're we're actually trying to be we under the radar. Are, well, also, we are perfect. <laughs> I think is the point. No. Oh yes, if only, darling. Well, no, I'm. Of course, we're all. Of course, I'm looking for validation. That yeah. is all anybody's I mean, ever uh, doing yeah. oh, at I any agree. time. <laughs> I agree. Where I'm also looking for validation. I wouldn't have, you know, all of these kind of businesses and you know self-promotion sort of activities if I wasn't ultimately looking for validation. But I think some people are looking for it in a much more, like just take the example of, you know, a young girl who's, uh, you know, thinking about, am I attractive? You know, do other people think I'm attractive? And they post a picture of themselves pouting with quite heavily filtered. Maybe they've got their butt sticking out or something like that. And 
what they are desperate for is lots of validation, lots of likes and lots of people saying, look gorgeous, Han. Oh, you look, you know, so beautiful, stunning, all that kind of stuff. That's what they need from that post. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are engaging in that kind of thing. And it's so um, fake really and and temporary that it's not really going to actually fulfill them, even though they think that's what they want. So the second way, we're only on to tip number oh, two. Oh my God, sorry, I keep forgetting that this is a list. <laughs> it's a list from this insider article that I am reading. So it says prioritize self-care. So replacing your social media use with another mood boosting activity um, that doesn't require your phone. So I would say go to a far wrist. You love the far wrist? Yeah. I would say do a drawing. Mm, it's so good art. to do a drawing also it's kind of hard to use your phone when you're doing a drawing that's true yeah unless it's to draw from it's like sometimes I prop my phone up to uh, have the picture on that I can draw oh, from yeah. but when I do that I turn I put it on airplane mode and I, when I put my phone in airplane mode I feel like Tom Hanks in Castaway cast out onto the ocean untouchable nobody can access me <laughs> And I feel like you're cleansed. on an actual airplane. Yes. Yeah, I know. Well, it's very effective. They have done their job really well with airplane mode because it makes you feel like I'm off the grid. Yeah. Another couple of um, suggestions are cook your favorite meal or journal for 15 minutes or set up a time to hang out with friends in person and presumably put your phone away then when you're there. Yeah. Um. So somebody else has recommended an allotted time to use social media. So instead of just looking at it all the time, and this is what I had to do whenever I was writing the PhD or trying to, you know, do the last part of the PhD, you will find any way to procrastinate that that PhD work for sure. (laughs) So I had to, I had a little app that grew trees on my phone. Oh yeah, I've got that app. And actually when you grew enough trees, it donated a tree it planted a tree somewhere so it was really you felt really good about it and you definitely didn't want to use your phone and wreck the tree the nice tree that was growing um so essentially you set a time i can use social media at this time and it means you're not constantly rechecking your phone all the time now this would never work for me this next tip put your phone across the room at night so that you can't scroll before bed how I mean, am I going to read Reddit threads if it's halfway across the room? How am I going to get my phone if it's over there? Plus, I have an alarm. <laughs> I need to see the time in the middle of the night. <laughs> Do you know what's so ridiculous? What? So I have extremely bad eyesight, as you know. Yes. Um, and this, I, I'm used to it, obviously. But because I can't see, like when I don't have contact lenses or glasses, mm-hmm. I can see inches from my face Mm -hmm. is my limit range of vision. I've seen you look at your phone in the morning. To the point where it's comical. And so it means that my girlfriend will walk into the room that we're both sleeping in and I will have my phone maybe two and a half inches from my nose. (laughs) And she's like, what are you, what are you doing? And that is how I read my Reddit threads before I go to sleep. And I, I did think the other night, like, do you think this is, there's no way this isn't really bad for my head, skin, face and eyes having a glowing right. yeah. <laughs> device. I know. Inches from my face. And that's how I'm falling asleep. Mm. To be fair, I do sleep well generally as a person because I'm sleepy, but... Have you got the blue light filter on your phone? I don't know. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It comes on at like 6 p.m. Yeah. Which I've also been derided for because apparently you don't need to put it on like that early. <laughs> I think it just does it automatically though, doesn't it? I I remember going in and being like, yeah, so when do I want to start winding down from even like <laughs> 6? <laughs> 6 p.m. when the work day is barely finished. Oh my God. <laughs> and here we are podcasting at 20 past 10 at night. I know. But um, yeah, so we, sorry insider article but we won't be putting our phone across the room at night it's just not going to happen just don't want to do it I'm sorry um and then it also suggests if you have an iPhone you could you know track your screen time or you could use social media limiting apps and I do think that that for some people and people who are like kind of um trying to cure with the the hair of the dog that bit you sort of thing you know, you're like, I'm engaging with my phone too much. There's an app for that. <laughs> yeah. I'll get an app and well, I'll sort is, it all out. This is the thing that we haven't said yet is, as with any addiction, let's call it what it is, an addiction. Yeah. As with any addiction, what does Gabor Mata say? Not why the addiction, why the pain? Mm. What pain are you trying to soothe? What are you trying to avoid? Yes. What are you trying to not look at? Yeah. What's like me with, you know sitting and watching Dairy Girls and reading Reddit. Mm-hmm. What am I trying so drastically to not think about? Mm. Sadness. Yeah. Well, that's it. And also just feeling like you're at your limit for um, new stuff. You know, I just feel like it doesn't have to be necessarily uh, a stressful episode of a show or a, or a terrifying film. Like there's some new film coming out with... Um, Christian Stewart in it and it's supposed to be one of the most horrific things ever and people are going to walk out of cans apparently because it's got like um real like so super realistic surgery or something in it and I'm like but why though why Mm. I just want to enjoy things that's I don't want to be horrified I want to relax and enjoy life to be fair yeah but sometimes I do like scary stuff I know, and that's okay. I just it's think cool. that what your what the message that your brain is sending you is, I am at my limit. You know, mm. I'm overwhelmed already. Please don't give me too much <laughs> more stuff to deal with, whether that be highly positive or or highly negative yeah. emotional information. I'm kind of maxed out for that. Thanks, Hannah. That's what your brain's saying. Yeah, and that's what my brain's saying a lot of the time as well. Stop finding podcasts about ghosts <laughs> listening to them at night getting scared and then having to <laughs> having to take your phone torch and shine it right up into your own face just to go to the bathroom because that's ridiculous is that what your brain is saying to you hannah no that's a hypothetical all uh, oh, right okay. no that is things that i do nearly every night yeah i think our take-home message is we could probably all do with reflecting on our social media use um neither of us are telling you to chuck the phone out the window for sure no way man that's impractical it's not only impractical but it's a very short-term solution really i think work out what feels good for you and what doesn't feel good for you and um you know do more of what feels good and less of what feels bad really it's i mean real for life baby that seems really obvious but also i just like to point out Throughout the time that we've been talking, I was thinking about when I was a kid and I didn't have a phone. Mm. And all I did was like do like 50 word searches a day. <laughs> <laughs> like to do a compulsive level 
I was like, just need to get my fix of the word searches. <laughs> running out of, but needing to go round to the shop. Run. I remember running round to the mace to, to buy a new word search book because mm. I didn't realize that I had none left that I hadn't done in this book. And I was like, what am I going to do for the rest of the evening? Yeah. Obsessive. I mean, mm-hmm. so, you know. Yeah, I mean, we all have things like that. <laughs> I don't know why you know. I told that story. I mean, you know, my kids have phones and tablets and things like that. So when we go on, away on holiday, they'll do lots of activities. They'll go kayaking. They'll be running about playing football. And also sometimes they'll be sitting down looking at their phones or watching a film. And when I was their age, during that time, I was maybe like poking a dead squirrel with a stick or something. <laughs> yeah. Setting you know? something on fire. Yeah, I was like sometimes just collecting leaves. <laughs> so, you know, it may be that there's a lot of positives to this new technological yeah, expansive, revolution. Expansiveness. Mm-hmm. We actually did, um, uh, part of our module was about um, digital technology and mental health interventions. And, you know, we did have our famous episode about the Headspace app. It wasn't really about the Headspace app. <laughs> Makers of the Headspace app don't sue us. Or we did mention it. Sponsor us. <laughs> or sponsor us. But um, we did mention it in that episode. But um, there are so many more things that have developed in terms of um, using digital technology for mental health interventions, including therapy. How do they regulate? That's a good question, but it's maybe for another episode because we have been recording for... An hour and 30 minutes. Oh, my good Lord. So I think we should say um, goodbye for the evening, Hannah. Yeah, that was some good treatment. We don't have a question. We don't have a question. And we are back on the hobby horse of life now. And so we will be sending out the appeal for questions. We want to get back on the answering your problems. Yeah, I love to be interested in other people's stuff. Yeah. Um. I would like to counter my earlier negativity about Twitter, just for balance. Oh, okay. Because I don't want to come across as a curmudgeon okay. so much. Um, because I think I was being very negative about the way people talk on Twitter. And I would like to say that a Twitter account that I do enjoy and I think is m- the most authentic is Cher's Twitter account. Have you ever looked at Cher's Twitter? Oh, uh, she's a genius of she's Twitter. She's a genius. She has rampant dyslexia that is unmanaged and it makes her communicate in such a way that you get something from Cher's tweets that you don't get anywhere else. Mm. That's what I think. So join Twitter for Cher is what you're saying? No, I'm not saying join Twitter, but if you're going to dip a toe, Mm -hmm. let that be your pond float. (laughs) (laughs) Dip a toe in Cher's pond. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I will take that under advisement. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Thanks therapy. therapy. Also, there's two pairs of your earrings and a little pair of socks in a plastic bag here. Give them to me. Charlie, do you see when you go back up the stairs, could you get Hannah's little plastic bag off your desk that has her earrings and her red socks in it? She's got red socks. I love red socks. <laughs> I, I have it. Sweetheart, we're about to start recording in here. You can't do your Pokemon cards here. I know, I'm just putting it in three. Oh my god. Swipe to nine. <laughs>
This would be quick one. Yes. Hello. I love you too, darling, but I need to start. I've been recording for eight minutes and for some <laughs> reason. Will I mention it to, in it to anybody? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> mention it in it to <laughs> <laughs> I could I'm not. still reeling. What are you reeling? The share pawn situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 